But if anybody out there gets one, let us know. Tell us, tell us all about it. I, I'm. <laughs> hey, look! It's a, it's a, it's a listener already. They're calling. They're calling Terry. Welcome to the RC Roundtable podcast, where we discuss the latest RC hobby news, events, model reviews, and a whole lot more. Well, hello there, my fellow RC mutants, and welcome to the RC Roundtable. I'm Fitz Walker, and you're not. Joining me is Lee Ray. Hello, everyone. And Terry Dunn. Hi there. Howdy ho, neighbor. Howdy ho. Greetings and salutations, oh great ones. How are you this morning, Fitz? Uh, awake, mostly. That's one, good. One of those weird mornings where I woke up really early, then went back to sleep. Then realized, oh, wait a minute, I got this podcast to do. So I <laughs> woke up again. <laughs> I may have asked this before, but are you guys coffee drinkers when we do these in the morning? Normally, no. Terry? Same. Nope. Really? I don't ever drink coffee. It is my lifeblood. Really? <laughs> well, as I told people, when I was growing up, I never drank coffee. When my dad tried to get me to drink coffee, I never would. When I went to college, I didn't drink coffee. When I started working, I didn't drink coffee. But the moment we had kids, coffee, coffee, coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's, I'm addicted. I'm addicted to coffee. I got to get it to kickstart me in the morning. So I am fresh. I have a wonderful brew of coffee in my Rosemary Beach coffee mug. So I'm ready for this show. Well, I'm a soda junkie. That's how I get my caffeine. But I religiously deny myself until lunchtime. So in the mornings, I'm just caffeine free. But mm. does that mean we're not getting the best of Terry Dunn in the mornings? Like, you, could <laughs> no, we get more from you if you had two? two you're sodas? getting my like, pure, unaltered <laughs> self. <laughs> you're the raw Dunn. <laughs> for the full hour. <laughs> I, I don't know what we're getting from Fitz. <laughs> Mayhem. Uh, I, I occasionally will drink like a Diet Coke or something in the morning morning coffee i'll drink coffee sometimes at work because it's really cheap but it's really not that good so it's sort of a mixed bag but uh, you know i follow i follow these people on instagram for various uh activities that they do but like usually the shooters i see they always are given or donated food of some sort like it's beef jerky or their beverages or something so we need to we need to reach out to our listeners and anybody who's like got some kind of food we can try we can have a little sidebar show on what what somebody did they offered uh pork skins right did you ever follow up on that, Fitz? Uh, I think I did, but I don't recall receiving them yet. So if you're out there, uh, where are my pork skins? <laughs> oh, Today's episode is sponsored by pork skins. Where's my pork bellies? <laughs> it was a really nice I, offer, but I no, I haven't received them yet. I, I need someone from Kentucky to sponsor us with bourbon. Kentucky bourbon. <laughs> Please. Oh, that's all you need is alcohol. Yeah, oh, hey, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do that. Let's do that show. Oh, back to coffee. My problem with coffee is I like to have it basically like an ice cream milkshake. So by the time it's got <laughs> cream and sugar in it, it's got 2,000 calories in a cup. So I just try to not. Well, if I could if I could share this quick story, I never drank coffee before. So I did the crazy thing. I went to Starbucks and I was so green. I just like, I have no idea, you know, how would I start drinking coffee? And I was just talking to this young barista. He must have been like 
20 years younger than me. And he actually said, well, here's how we're going to do it. I mean, he's like, I was a project it's for him. the he beginner's said, model. <laughs> like, like, I mean, he, he had this whole routine set up, I guess. I mean, obviously, I didn't. I wasn't the only one to say, hey, how do I get into coffee? But he started me with frappuccinos. He said, you know, get into the ice things, things that you're used to, you know, but we're going to add a shot. He goes, then come back a couple weeks later, we're going to add two shots. And he goes, then we're going to work our way into some, you know, uh, the mocha drinks and stuff. And it kind of gets you warmer into the hotter drinks. And eventually we'll get you to, you know, just straight espresso. <laughs> I, never uh, got, I never got get that an far. IV. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just take it intravenously. So was so, the first one free? Oh, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> the gateway coffee? But, but I got on that little gold member card that, you know, Starbucks has. So I do get my free drinks, you know, once I spend enough money and I have a birthday. The preferred right. customer. Free. Yeah, I free drink. Uh, so, but yes, I am I am coffee activated right now. So let's get the show. People don't want to hear about this. They want to hear about RC stuff. They want to hear about RC stuff. And we got some RC stuff. Uh, first up, the big, big news of yesterday was that GGI has yet another Mavic, which is really no surprise. But it was interesting stats on it. So they call it the Mavic 2. Uh, I've seen it called Mavic 2. Pro Mavic Pro Two. I, I don't know what the. It's a it's extraordinary. Mavic, yeah, the super <laughs> hyper happy fun time Mavic Two. Uh, <laughs> so, but it was interesting reading over the stats because uh, I don't have a Mavic. But I think Terry had one for a little while, or still has one. No, uh, I reviewed one and had it in hand for a few months, but uh, it's gone. Okay. I thought you had one too. You had a loaner, right? I had a loaner. A good friend of mine has one. He let me borrow, and I've been using it here and there. And uh, one or two other club members have one. Uh, yeah, Jeff, my cameraman, has one, and another club member has one. So uh, there are quite a few more around. And I do highly recommend it when people talk about camera drones. It says it's really, really hard to beat the Mavic. And so they only took what they had and turned it up to 11. Uh, so it, it's a little more than incremental updates, although it's very, very similar, it seems, to the previous version. So a few things that jumped out at me at the stats when I was reading them is one is, of course, the camera. They really updated the camera on it. They went... Interestingly enough, you have two options. You either can get a 20 megapixel 4K camera made by Hasselblad, or you can get a 12 megapixel camera that has a zoom that you can change the zoom on the fly. Yeah, uh, that's optical zoom. It's yeah. a op- it has a 2x optical zoom and apparently you can crop to 4x digital, or a combination of the two. Uh, so I guess at 4K, it's probably not too bad having 4, 4 zoom. Uh, But the 20 megapixel does not have zoom, but it has a much better uh, optics on it and uh, color definition, that kind of stuff. And uh, I guess a one-inch CMOS sensor. So they really upped the ISO. I don't know if you saw that, Lee, but ISO now is 12,800 on the sucker. Well, and just as a photographer, you could, (laughs) like my Canon 5D Mark III, I don't know, has something ridiculous like 120,000 ISO. But you could make that number, but you're just going to bring along with you a lot of grain. Well, sure. So, yeah. so of course, you can have that number, but the question is, would it be even uh, a realistic photo? Is <laughs> yeah, it usable? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, well, it's it's still better. It's got a larger sense imaging sensor, so it can absorb more light and have a better low light. It may not be night vision, but at least when it's sunsets, dusk or dawn or something, a little better color and image. Um, uh, <laughs> no, this is funny. Now it's faster. They look at the thing and it goes, it's now 72 kilometers per hour versus the old one was uh, 65 kilometers per hour. And it is a quick calculation for us, uh, for us Americans. And the speed went from 40 to 43 miles per hour. <laughs> so 
Not wow. Really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it sounds like a lot. It's like, oh, wow. It's just like, you know, 10 kilometers faster. No, that's like, you know, three miles per hour faster. <laughs> well, well, I guess if, if if you're in an area where you shouldn't be flying and the cops are chasing you, you need that extra speed to get the hell out. Right? <laughs> yeah. Get turbo boost. Uh, so, uh, but <laughs> turbo boost. I love it. That's the next feature. <laughs> There's a new red button on your transmitter. Yeah. Get the hell out of there. <laughs> it's a drone police. Quick. Like the South Park episode where they uh, they had the, the protesters were flying drones and the police were flying their own drones with little flashing lights on them. Did we see that? <laughs> no. Oh, you got to see seen that South Park. Oh my forever. gosh! This was a couple of seasons ago, but it was actually hilarious. One of the characters gets a drone, and he starts causing so much trouble with it, and then his son starts using it uh, secretly, and then. Uh, I can't remember exactly what happens, but people start protesting something, and so they start flying all these drones in the town with candles on them, like in a protest. <laughs> and then the police, the right police, show up with their drones, and the drones have flashing police lights on them and try to round them up and chase them down. It's you know typical South Park hilarity. So, but. a quick sidebar in that, and we'll go back back to the Mavic. When you say the word drones, do you always mean a multi rotor? Yes. Bless you. Bless you, my child. Thank you. Yes. You too, Terry, right? You you never assume someone's flying a model airplane. You're always assuming it's one of these bad yeah. boys, right? Yes, Mr. Ray. All yes, right. I use the term and drone and multirotor interchangeably. Back to the class. Go less, ahead, Fitz. Less syllables. Okay, so uh, and it's got a slightly smaller frame. Maybe that's why a little faster. Uh, they, they raised the service ceiling up a little bit. Uh, now this is a misnomer because it still has a 400-foot ceiling, but it just means you can go to a higher mountain and start flying it. Uh, what's interesting, it's got uh, full 360-degree collision sensors. And well, uh, Back up there a second. You're saying legally we shouldn't go above 400, but it's capable of going much higher. Yes, if you start higher. For example, if you're right. at a... A thousand foot mountain, you can still take off because I did that right. during my vacation. Okay, well, just so people don't scream at the radio, we understand that as AMA members, that there's latitude there, and so 400 feet right. is not a hard ceiling. It's not a hard law; it's a recommendation from the FAA. Unless you're DeFazio, and that's a hard ceiling. Yeah. Right. yeah. So th- this is giving a big wink to all those who know. But yeah. Yeah, but the DJI limits you. It says when you get to 400 feet, it says air can't go any higher. You're, you're stuck right here kind of thing. They won't let you gotcha. go higher unless you do some, I guess, if you hack the system or something maybe. But uh, Oh, wait, it's geofenced at 400? Yeah, it is, yeah. And you I don't can't know if adjust you can, that in the app? I don't know. I won't say yes or no because I don't own it and I didn't read the instructions that clearly. So I don't know if it's possible. I know the older stuff did, but I don't know if the newer ones is possible to change that. <laughs> I'd like to be able to. Can. Hmm? I'd like to be able to fly the Mavic 2. I assume you might be able to. Maybe if you flew it without the GPS mode on, if you turn off the GPS, it might do it. I don't know. I'm sorry, Lee, what was that? I was just watching Lethal Weapon 2, and I'd like to be able to fly the Mavic 2 and just pull out a piece of paper and say, diplomatic immunity. <laughs> <laughs> and and fly at 405 feet. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so real quick, just to sum a couple things up. It's got a, a really intelligent follow mode, which was really neat. I saw a video, and a guy was having it follow him and he went under a tree and the thing stopped went below the tree limbs flew followed him and then would pop back up again so that was really really impressive <laughs> it doesn't oh, say are you crazy <laughs> yeah i'm not going there <laughs> you trying to kill me <laughs> hey just one more step to skynet well i'll tell you i'm looking as you you say that i'm looking at this photo right now on the website and the darn thing is hovering right next to this horse in this guy's head i'm like <laughs> 
<laughs> like, I'm sorry, that's that's just a little too close to be like, hey, just follow me right here within five feet of this horse and not get spooked. Well, uh, maybe it won't get spooked, but it won't run into the horse because everything's working. Oh, Easy for you if, to say. As, as you use the sentence, if everything's working. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, also, they've gone to, from a 3S to a 4S battery, which is interesting. And last but not least, the most important thing, you can now remove the gimbal sticks for storage. Oh, on the transmitter? Yeah, yeah, just like the the Air, I think. The Mavic oh, Air, you pull the gimbals off. pretty small footprint before, but all right. That's actually a really nice feature. Yeah. So uh, there's, of course, a bunch of more stuff. I won't go into too much details, but uh, they, they did upgrade quite a bit of stuff. So it's uh, if you haven't bought one, this is really, really... Um, uh, sounds like a good deal. The pricing is, seems to be more or less the same as the, the other Mavics when they first came out. Yeah, uh, when they first came out. When they first they came stabilized out. like yeah. a thousand. Yeah. And just a couple months ago here, one of the big box stores had brand new Mavics for 500 bucks. Wow. Uh, almost pulled the trigger on one, but decided I have enough quads already. Yeah, and yeah, I know what you mean. So what are these new ones at? I think it was 14 and 1800 depending on which camera you got. I think the uh, 20 megapixel was about 1800 Hmm. Okay. Uh, so, you know, they're not cheap. Uh, they're very compact. Like you mentioned before, I, I borrowed a friend of mine's uh, to take on a trip. And it was really nice that it folds up and it's very compact. It fits in a little pouch thing, which I like. Because I have a 3DR Solo, which is pretty nice for what it is, but it's it's not very compact. Yeah, it's good. So, yeah, it's not travel-friendly at all. So, uh, so this, and that's one thing I liked about the Mavic Air it was really, really travel friendly because it's really tiny. Uh, but it's, um, I don't like the controller. They really went cheap on the controller. So, if I were to get one, I'd seriously consider Mavic Two. But uh, I don't know. I'm still uh, maybe I'll just still leech off my friend since he doesn't use this <laughs> all that much and he lets me use it. <laughs> well, I would guess that the older Mavics are probably going to go down in price now. Yeah. Or there'll be a, a good market for used ones pretty soon. Yeah, that's a good point. I bet you if you can find a used one, it's still a really good deal. A really nice, great flying drone if you don't care about all the little extra goodies. Uh, still very capable. Oh, one last thing. They're, they're claiming an 8-kilometer range now on this thing. Oh, good. You can fly really far away. Yes. I was hoping they would do that. So you can go even farther and get into trouble. Yeah. So, Fitz, you sound kind of fired up about aerial photography quads now. Uh, I'm so-so. There's certain cases where I, I would like to do it or uh, it has its place, but I'm not really, I'm not $1,800 fired up. Okay. No. Yeah, I think my bubble has burst on that. There yeah. was a time a couple of years ago when I was reviewing a bunch of them and I owned several and I was flying them all the time and I don't know, it just kind of got old. You can yeah. only filmed so many landscape scenes and things like that and yeah. I wasn't traveling around to new locations and I kind of saw that the industry was raging headlong towards a direction of making all their stuff easier for non-qualified people to fly yeah so every new feature they were touting was oh you don't have to have any experience oh you don't have to know anything and then we can do all these new things for you Oh, yeah. Shouldn't so, we put a Surgeon General's warning on these things? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> He's flying this thing, maybe hazardous to your regulations. Yeah. <clears throat> but it yeah. seems like uh, it, 
the market has slowed down quite a bit. There's not nearly as many players as there were just a couple of years ago. Yeah. And there aren't as many new releases as there were. So I, I don't know if it's plateaued or if it's on the, the backside, but. It's That's an interesting changed. point. Is this more a fad or novelty? It's interesting to see where it goes on this. Well, there's um, certainly more commercial interest now, for better or for worse. I, yeah, I wonder if the commercial commercial's not going anywhere. You know, people are going to do commercials and TV shows and rescue operations, that kind of stuff. Uh, but as far as the consumer, uh, I don't know. I wonder if that's really going to kind of fade away, fade, not fade away, but really maybe the bubble's kind of bursting on that and it's going to really go into more into the background. Hmm, I don't know. I think the damage is done, though. Yeah. Well, and, and like coming back from Kauai, I mean, I was trying to figure out what would consumers use this for? And if they were to go on a trip or hiking or something, and, you know, this might be good to record their destination to have some better mm. quality photos. But you come across these places in, you know, Kauai that have these huge signs that say no drones. Yeah. You know, you're, you're kind of blocked from doing that as well. I think you could at one point before everybody started blocking them. It was a good thing to take around with you. But now it's because I have a coworker whose son has one. And he says his son goes all around the world and takes this thing with him. But it's it's not you got to be really careful where you fly it. Certain countries may have rules against it. So he said some countries may ransom them. You know, they said, "Oh, you got this drone, uh-huh. huh? If you want to go through customs, you, it's going to cost you an extra forty bucks." You know, whatever kind of thing. Right. So interesting. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's not a drone. That's an inhaler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a medical need. It's a quad fan. Oh, oh, oh yes. Show us how it works. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Demonstrate your inhaler. <laughs> I'm not going to ask where that accent's from. <laughs> Just making it up. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like one of those make-believe countries they do in those <laughs> like Mission Impossible <laughs> and stuff. It's like Adgunstian. Is that a, a Narnian accent? Yeah. <laughs> Great. I wasn't thinking it was Narnian. I was, I was thinking a little bit more rough than Narnia. <laughs> Fine. All right. So fi- final thoughts on it, uh, Fitz. Um, very nice, but too spicy a meatball for me. Well put. <laughs> but if anybody out there gets one, let us know. Tell us, tell us all about it. I, yeah. I'm. <laughs> hey, they're Hello. calling it now. Sorry. Hello. <laughs> That's <is> awesome. <laughs> that hey, look, it's a, it's a, it's a listener already. Yeah, he's calling top of his mouth. What, what we should do is, <laughs> I'll bring the phone down here next time, and when it rings, I'll answer it, and we'll talk to the telemarketer who's trying to call me <laughs> live on the air. Uh, I love it. Uh, so yeah, if someone has it, let us know. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not against this stuff. I'm not guys, you know, I say, I would say I'm anti-drone. There's, there's good use for these, but it's, it's going back to the, like I was joking, Surgeon General's warning. You got people who don't know how to use them or don't understand the rules and it's just ruining for the rest of us. So there's this place that it's, it's hard to decide if, you know, do I really want to get one? I think they're neat. I think the technology is awesome. I mean, I, I'm sure all of you remember like when we saw videos, I don't know, three, four years ago, maybe it's probably longer than that, where this university was throwing the quadcopters in this little, you know, fence laden room, you know, and they were catching balls and stuff. And we were like, oh my gosh, oh, yeah. look at that. That was just so neat. And now it's here, but now it's like gone a little haywire, right? You know, the, they, what was the, what was the termination date uh, fits? How would say they got smart? They learned. Oh yeah, I don't remember the date. Well, yeah, what was the date? I don't I think remember. it was. I think it's already passed. <laughs> yeah, I think it did. Yeah, Skynet went online. Yeah. Yeah, when they they got intelligent. Anyway, so but uh, again, I, I'd like to see more from it. I'd like to see some of the video. Just you know, got to be careful out there, folks. Yep. 
All right. So what we got next? Lee, what you got? Well, uh, this, I mean, this came across um, Facebook recently, but it might be out for a little while. But Spectrum's got this new fancy-dancy receiver, this AR620. That's just a little cube. I thought there were a couple of them. Well, there's a four-channel and the six-channel. That's I think okay. it's just the two. And it's it's a cube, folks. It's a little <laughs> plastic cube. And I'll tell you some of the things I love about it and some of the things I'm curious about it. Uh, first, love. No antennas. I don't know about you, but I've soldered. I've had to re-solder antennas on the... Uh oh, Fitz. Fitz, do you have something to say? <laughs> that it has an antenna. It's just it's internal and integrated. If it had okay, no antenna, it wouldn't work. And it, it has no external antenna. There you go. Thank Don't you. burst his bubble. It's okay. I, I I respect Fitz. He was he was correcting me. I accept the fact that I didn't say the word external, but it has no visible external antenna. Okay, there you is, go. Is that better, Fitz? Good work, Smithers. Yes. It's Much got a twenty-foot antenna wrapped up in that little box <laughs> <laughs> that you can't see. Um, so the the antenna is a great, uh, well, or removing the external part is great. I've, like I said, I've had to re- repair uh, broken antennas in the past. It, the first thing in my head though was like, what do you mean there's no antenna sticking out? How are you getting a good signal? And then I watched the video, and this guy was saying their tests indicate it performs better than the ones that had the antenna. And it's just shocking to me. And the first thought I had was perhaps the antenna positioning, how they may have be using the case is, you know, true to perpendicular. You know, it's very straight. Yeah, there's probably a reason it. why it's a cube and it's probably the antenna they're using and why it looks funky yeah. like that. Yeah, because yeah, if you're using the little park flyer receivers and you've got the little gray antenna, it's, it's probably curved, so it's not true yeah. to form. And so you, you may have a signal loss. So the, the reports are these perform better than the previous receiver. So are step there dimensions one, on the pictures? Maybe it's like six inches by six inches. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he, he was using a handle on it to hold it. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I, I saw the dimensions there. I actually tried to pull up the uh, other sizes earlier before we started the recording, but I couldn't get them. So its uh, height is 0.71 inches. Length is 1.26 inches. So it's roughly so, an inch by a three-quarter inch. Yeah, it's it's about the same size, and that's what they roughly said. And if you look at the photos, it is pretty tiny. Um, it looks a little high. I mean, I don't think that's a huge loss. I mean, you're talking about something that's more... I mean, the price is the same. If not, I think they, they might be on sale right now, so... Um, there, there wasn't a huge increase in price, but here are two other features that I liked that they included. Number one, they got rid of the bind plug and it's about darn time. Yes. About freaking, what took them so long? What is it now? A momentary switch or something? There is a momentary switch and you, uh, I think the way he said it is that you don't have to hold it when you power up, you power up and then you can hold it for four seconds and it starts the bind process. So it got smart, which is great. It's the direction we needed to go. Yeah, my Futabas have had those momentary switches, but there were times when I needed three hands to turn things on and hold the switch and hit the battery. And yeah, so yeah, so that's handy. Yeah, so that's good. It is handy, and I like that. And I know that there was one receiver. I don't remember which brand or how long ago it was that had a button that was. Uh, it felt like it was too above the case. It, it was too high, so there was a chance you could press it. You know. You know, and that would be bad. This one, I believe, is sunk in. Because I noticed, I think, on the Fatabas, they were they were lower, right? They were countersunk. I think the top of the button was probably flush with the top of the case. Uh, the, the high techs are countersunk. Okay. So so they're catching up there. And uh, without adding extra cost, it has built-in receiver voltage telemetry. 
Yeah. So it didn't okay. have telemetry for power of your motor or t- uh, temperature or RPM, but the fact is that it has the built-in receiver voltage is is excellent. That's a great safety feature to have. So I really like this. Um, I'm definitely going to buy some. They're back ordered till through September, um, but I think a 620 is you know six channel receiver is a, a good all around bad boy. It's considered full range, and uh, you know again we're we're moving forward with the technology. Do they have uh, AS3X or anything built in? Uh, this does not. Okay, so these are neat. Yeah. Come again? Okay. Neat? These are just neat. Ba- no additives. Oh, no clean, no clean. Additive. Okay, yeah. Yeah, 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 they're streamlined. Oh, and I'm sorry, it is DSMX and DSM2, if I didn't mention that. So okay. pretty neat. Any other comments or questions on it? I, that's it's, it's nice to see Spectrum doing that. It's funny because we, as we mentioned with high tech and Futabi, you know, there are features they already had that Spectrum didn't. But I'm, I'm, a, I'm assuming we're going to start seeing other brands come out with uh, uh, zero external antennas. They might. Yeah, I did uh, poke around. I think I saw a video or something. They said the antenna was developed by Texas Instruments, I think. I, yeah. Yes, I heard yeah. the same thing. So, so it was uh, an interesting industry collaboration there. Yeah, I'd you be know. interested to know how they did that. If it's higher gain and more directional or what? I don't well, know. Someone's going to have to take one apart. <laughs> oh, I'm sure somebody will. It may be a, like a multi-element antenna or something. Something like you'd see if you ever look at the, the guys who do ham radio. They could have all kinds of funky types of antennas with radiators and uh, radios and multi uh, different uh, polarizations and all kinds of stuff. You can Antenna theory can is really, really involved, so... Yeah. I doubt it, it'll look like your typical antenna. It's going to say <laughs> built-in antenna boost. <laughs> turbo, turbo antenna turbo. boost. <laughs> no, that's great. That's that's really neat. I mean, again, I'm looking at it. It's not as flat or thin. I mean, I will get one, and it's probably going to be a little bulky on the yeah. thunder and lightning, but it's it's the right direction. I need to pull up the 4-channel to see if it's uh, any flatter. I'm still I'm looking directly at the 620. Yeah, the 4-channel yeah, is kind of long. orientation of the plugs? Uh, are they side or top? Side, side. Okay. Yeah, they're like, they're like end plugs. Okay. So it, it, it's funny how this four channel is a different shape. It's like a, a stick of bubble gum or something, or something like that. If I remember correctly, I don't know why they went such a radical different shape, unless it's smaller. Uh, but that's good for them, I guess. Uh, eventually, maybe they'll come out with more channels: seven channel, eight channel, maybe with AS3X and external connectors. Who knows? Yeah, the 410 looks like a flash drive. Yeah. It's very long. Yeah. <laughs> so what are the prices on these? $39.99 and $29.99. Really? $29.99? That's for the 4-channel? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and, and, and let's see if I'm right on this. Please tell me this one operates up to 9 volts. Does it? Awesome. Yeah. Well, 3.5 to 9 volts. So you can use so you can a... run straight 2-cell LiPo. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I've, I've been using LIFE receiver backs on my aircraft, so perfect. Yeah, but your servos have to handle that, too. Mm-hmm. Well, most modern gear does. Yeah. You know what a guy in our club does is he puts a diode or two on them so that it reduces the voltage down uh, about a volt or half a volt. Mm-hmm. So you're about six mm-hmm. volts. Uh, so just one diode on a LIFE pack. <clears throat> so you don't need a regulator. Just one nickel component? One nickel component. One five cent. Component. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a just a just a regular uh, signal diode, silicon diode. You know, make sure it's you know, good, big enough to handle the, the current. 
and uh, that knocks the life you pack from 6.6 to roughly 6 volts and anything I handle well, it. Well, the life you should be fine, but at 9 volts, you could run the lipo. No, 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 no. Right. You know, he runs the life, the the lifey, not the lipo. Right. I know, but the lifey is only 6.6 6 volts. So you don't have to knock those down. Uh, it's a little bit of headroom because some servos might balk at 6.6 6 volts, might be a little bit pushing it for some standard servos. What I'm saying is almost all servos you buy nowadays can run at 6 volts. They're 5 to 6 volts. Right. So at 6.6 6 might be pushing a little bit. So if you don't feel comfortable doing that, just add a diode and it knocks it down at about half a volt. <laughs> Oh, I'm comfortable. I just don't think the servo is. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm happy to push voltage through my servos. <laughs> and, it, and it's a lot more robust than a regulator, in, in a sense. Not, not that I've had regulators fail much, but if you don't feel comfortable having a regulator that can fail, possibly, the diode almost will never fail. Okay. If that makes sense. So, uh, I don't know about me... never, but okay. I get your point. Well, nothing is never, of course, but... Is it six forty five MG high tech six forty five MG? Is yeah. that the, like one of the most popular servos? That sounds familiar. Yeah, high yeah. torque. Uh, well, for the larger scale plane. So I'm going to look real quick on the specs and yeah. just so I know what is the nominal voltage on a two 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 sport. That's not it. That's not voltage. Six volts. Yeah. Most servos today can handle six volts. There was a time where uh, a lot of the tail rotor servos couldn't handle six volts on some of the helicopters because they were really high speed. But I think those, even those, are not that common anymore. So, anyways. Okay. Well, so, neat. Yeah, just make sure your servos can handle whatever you're throwing at it. Yeah, that's ultimately what matters. I always give my servos a pep talk. You can take the other point six volts. <laughs> I believe in you. <laughs> I think I can. I think I can. <laughs> you can do it, buddy. <laughs> now, when are, you, are you looking at these because you have troublesome planes that you're trying to fix? Or is this just because you're an early adapter? Uh, no, I think it's... Uh, shoot, I guess it could be both, but... No, I mean, I always like the newer technology. I, and because I've run into problems with the antennas, in fact, I think I've got a loose one now. <laughs> Darn it. Uh, no, I think that's good. Uh, but, you do no. have a loose antenna. <laughs> <laughs> we all agree. <laughs> it made me cry. Uh, no, I, I think I, I believe in Spectrum. How's that? I think I'd like to try it out. Okay. All right. Now, is that a good segue to your tiger cat? Have we covered the ending of that story? Well, you actually helped me solve some of my questioning on that. So, and now, But here's the thing. Now that you've told me that the flashing light on a spectrum receiver is a low voltage issue, not a loss of signal, I, I thought it could be both. I'm just, just giving everybody the information. I did not fully read the instruction manual on my receiver, so I've always been going by what I hear, not what I read. But whenever I had a flashing light, uh, I always assumed it was because I had a loss of signal or uh, low voltage cutoff and typically it's been low voltage cutoff um, so my tiger cat was giving me the worst problems i had two issues kind of like uh, fits the gear video where the f4 just suddenly locked up on you yeah. and i started going straight down that's what i had with my tiger cat so it was interesting that you and i experienced the same thing and uh, i had a, a flashing light now i was using a different brand receiver and i've gone through different brand receivers but since i switched to the 610 I think it's the AR610 Spectrum. I have not had any issues with my Tiger Cat. Uh, and I'm using brand new LiPo, so I, I believe I'm okay. Um, but uh, I had another little aircraft that was giving me a flashing light. And I just figured my antenna, because it looked like it was loose, was giving me problems. But it turns out that a flashing light is anything under 3.5 volts. 
That being said, though, last night I Wait, tested that. Wait, 3.5 volts? Yep. Wow, that's really low. It is low. Yeah. But that being said, and now this, I'll lead into this other airplane later, um, I did a test with the battery I had, and I was, and it's a, this is interesting, this little glider I have uses a LIFI, or no, it's a lithium ion, I believe. Um, let me ch- confirm before I misspeak here. Misspoken, misspoken. Uh, do, 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 a lithium ion. Uh, it's a lithium ion battery, and I'm reading it at seven volts connected to the receiver. And when I throttle up, it gets down to like 6.5 or something. And then the receiver starts flashing, and then the volta- uh, the throttle cuts to half, like an LVC. Yeah. And I'm getting a flashing light, and I'm going, what the heck? So it's not hitting 3.5 like I assumed. So long story. Let me bring this sucker back. Uh, the Tiger Cat seems to be flying okay. I am concerned about low voltage cutoff. I am starting to use more LIFE batteries in my larger scale planes as a dedicated receiver and knock on wood, haven't had those issues. Mm. Okay. Good to know. Now what's this glider you're talking about? Are we ready for that? Is it okay? It's not new products. Do you want to do a little commercial break and then go into Lee's, <laughs> Lee's vent? <laughs> Wait, did, were we going to talk about model aviation? Oh, oh we can do that. Let's, we don't even have to cut. Let's just share everybody how raw we are in our <laughs> podcast. Uh, so the AMA released a little uh, video on, I saw it on Instagram. I think it's also on Facebook. And it's a neat little uh, time lapse, I guess, of all their magazines. And the quote is, something big is coming, a model aviation January 2019. And it appears they're going to redesign model aviation magazine. They've hired a new... Uh, partner called Bates Creative, that's the name, to redesign our flagship membership publication. So they're going to do some new stuff to Model Aviation Magazine. So my question to you guys is, what do you think it could be? Holograms. Ooh. <laughs> hey, what was Scratch that? Scratch and sniff. <laughs> <laughs> that smells like glow fuel. <laughs> a a, a fold-out centerfold of the model of the month. <laughs> I love that. I would love to see a centerfold of aircraft. Yes. Look at the wings on that baby. (laughs) I like to start her up a few times. Yeah, if you do like a flight fest picture, it's like eight folds, right? (laughs) Get the whole flight line. Uh, I'm curious uh, what they might do. I think the, the, I mean, if I had to give any negative, I think the back of the magazine uh, does not receive as much attention as the front. You know, we're always flipping through the, the ads or the district stuff. So kind of think they should move stuff around more. Um, the, the, yeah, the district stuff, too, is a little plain, I think, how in its, in its, uh, the way it's outlaid, if, if you know what I mean, the format. Yeah, and well, some of the contributors put more effort into it than others, I think. But, you know. What do you want? No, I mean, I, I do like it. Uh, it's, it's a hard, you know, it's like, you, you know, you want to get people. To, I, I like the magazine. We may have had the discussion. Do you guys save your magazine issues? Do you look at them? I mean, you guys write, so you got to read your own stuff, right? Give yourself a little <laughs> ego boost. Oh, look, that's my name right there. Oh, look, that's um, my airplane. I think there was a time when I did that, and I would save every issue of something that I had an article in. But I think eventually that novelty wore off, and... Now I'll keep it around for a while, so I have a copy there in case I get email questions about it. I have a handy reference. But, yeah, I'll, I'll admit I throw most of that stuff away now after a few months. For me, it's like, oh, crap, hope I don't get any hate mail. 
Fitz you uses it, it real too. Quick and see what errors you made. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I missed that. I, was, I said Fitz was using his to level his table. <laughs> no, actually, I get the electronic version. I don't have a paper version, so mine's there. There you go. That's what I was going to lead into. I said a lot of people are going that direction. And... Are they? I'd be interested to see the numbers. I'm still stuck on paper versions. There's something you know tangible about it that I like. Uh, well, I, I'm going to say it. I'm old school. I like the magazine. I like to sit down and you know take a break. Um, you know, sometimes you need your downtime from your tablet and your 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 gaming device. <laughs> and I'm raising my hand because guilty. <laughs> Um, so I, I like that, and it's kind of sad because it's been a long time since I've purchased a magazine from a pool mm. machine and sat down and you know had lunch and read the news. My problem with the electronic version is it doesn't seem to work unless I have a data connection. If I'm looking on my phone, it just sits there and churn away. If, I, if I'm somewhere like on an airplane or something, it doesn't seem to work. I don't know why, even though it says it's downloaded, but it just checking oh. something and it doesn't work. I don't know, maybe it's me or something, but... Uh, I don't, well, here's, I don't like that part. I'm sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. I jumped you. <laughs> I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. I, you weren't. I'm sorry. I was like, I had, had this idea. I didn't want to forget. <laughs> oh. well, so here's here's ahead. a question for both of you. How long does it normally take once you submit an article for it to actually come out in the magazine? It varies depending on the type of article. A minimum three months, I think. Yeah, there's just a lot of lead time in uh, print work. Now, on some of the website stuff I do, it might be a matter of days. But for print articles that I do in model aviation, yeah, I would say three months is probably a minimum. Well, With and I know that's difficult. Being an average. You know, I understand that that's hard to do that, but that's one thing I'd like to see improved because you guys have said that to me before. I'd like to see them turn around events much quicker in the magazine than look at something that says, you know, Seth, you know, and, and I'm looking at it in December. <laughs> I don't know. I, <laughs> I think the the constraints of printing and mailing kind of prevent that. I don't know that you can do much better than what they've done. I mean, if you look at any print magazine, I think their lead times are very similar. Okay. Well, well, I know. I guess there's the news magazines like you know Time and Newsweek and all that who do weekly stuff that's more timely, but you don't have to build stuff months ahead of time and yeah. And I think they do all yeah, that in-house, too. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not involved in the process enough to really know what their constraints are, but every RC magazine that I've ever worked for, print-wise, had at least a two-month lead time. Okay. Well, that's for me, I, I like the articles. You guys do a great job, by the way. Oh, stop it. And, you know, I have no, no problem no, with the no, ads. No, go on. Go on. <laughs> If I had to choose, <laughs> so the only two issues would be the back of the magazine does not get a lot of respect to those. Unfortunately, I think the cost to advertise is probably pretty high. So there's not a lot of big page, you know, so those smaller companies out there are, can only be in the back. Um, well, you know, what do you mean they, by the back of the magazine? Like the, the last district 20 reports pages. and the columns? Uh, from the district reports on. Like, oh, actually, better yet, from the uh, model aviation uh yeah, membership <laughs> page <laughs> where you sign in. You know, they always stick that right there to mm -hmm. the, to the back. It's just like you know, I I tend to flip through it because I don't always look at all the other districts. I tend to look at just mine, and then um, you know, every now and then I'll peruse some of the ads and you know, I don't know. Just maybe we they they can shift that around. I'm not saying to change much of it. Just move it into different areas and then a, a better time, a turnaround time. Well, I can tell you this with some confidence, and we've talked about it before. 
the editors at most magazines, and I guess in terms of RC magazines, there aren't many left, but I think a lot of editors do what they do based on very little feedback. So if there's something you don't like or something you'd like to see changed, send a letter to the editor. That's why the email's there. You might not get what you want, but at least, you know, they'll know. All righty. And before I go, this is hilarious. This happens to be about Terry. On the oh, page geez. I'm looking at about the something big is coming from Aviation, right next to it says, In the September 2018 issue, author Terry Dunn discusses using hook and loop tape on batteries and electric models. What issues do you have when using hook and loop tape? Would you like to know the poll results, Terry? Oh, the, the, when I first checked it, there weren't many results yet. So you got, you got 28. One of them is mine. <laughs> <laughs> 27 are yours. <laughs> <laughs> so here they are uh, in order of most to, oh, she, yeah, most to least. It says, I just use one strap, one small square of hook and loop tape, and I'm set for all my flights. That's 39%. Uh, I struggle with finding the right balance between holding strength and ease of removal. A few airplanes have suffered, 32%. I am still deciding if the hook or the loop should go on the battery, 18%. And number, and the last one, if it's not electric, it's not a problem, 11%. <laughs> okay. The hook-loop debate will continue on forever and ever. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, speaking of ever and ever, let's uh, take a break and we'll be right back. So I was on Facebook yesterday, and I believe it was in the flight test fans group that someone had posted a video. And like a lot of videos I'm seeing on Facebook lately, it has to do with people's concerns over losing Section 336. And I don't want to dig too deeply into that topic again, just because you know, we've spent a lot of time on it lately. But I thought the video that they linked was exceptionally good and really nailed down a lot of what we're dealing with and and I think helped explain what we're up against and I didn't realize a, a lot of the personalities involved on the opposite side and this guy apparently has done some research and I I hate to say it but it sounds like the the other side has got some ringers working for him so the the name of the guy is, or the name of the channel is 51 Drones. And we can put up a link to the video. And let's see, how long is this thing? I've already put it up on RC Roundtable. Okay, thank you. How long is the video? It's about not that 13, long. Yeah. yeah, 13, 14 minutes. Yeah, I mean, he, he wraps it up pretty quick and gets to the point on stuff. So I think it's interesting to note that he is not a traditional hobbyist. He is a GPS um, quadcopter guy but I really agree with his standpoint on most of this stuff and as, interestingly he says that the quadcopter world needs to align with the AMA and just because that's the, the best chance we have to overcome this commercial drone alliance push so I don't want to repeat the thing f for him but well, if you haven't seen it go out and look at it and I think it'll be really eye opening 
And yeah, but it helps give a broader understanding to the entire situation. Yeah, I think many of you have already seen the X-Jet video, Brett from New Zealand, his whole, you know, I, I uncovered this video. How come you Americans aren't doing anything about it? I Where think is his the name AMA? is Bruce. Bruce? Oh, yeah. did I say Brett? Okay, so yeah. it was great. And, and, you know, it's a little different video than this. This guy, uh, Russ from 51 Drones, very professional video, uh, very clear spoken and did all his research. You know, he, he's, you know, me, I'm passionate, but this guy, he's got the intelligence to go pick and find uh, the key issues, and he found some information about the CDA that is terrifying. You know, it's it's these. It's, there's a lot of money. It's a law firm that's you know like number four, I think he said, in the U.S. or something, or, or, or as far as lobbyists, maybe. I mean, they have got the millions of dollars backing them up well, to well, basically. Go ahead. Well, did you see that the the lady who's head of the I guess of the law firm that represents the CDA was a major lobbyist and political insider in Washington exactly. for some years. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's just not even David and Goliath. We're like, <laughs> we're, we're David and a puppy dog. <laughs> I mean, there's just, we're such, it's such a uphill battle and yeah, they've got the money and, you know, really our, the, the only thing we have to offer right now is our voice and our stories because that needs to be heard. But this guy is dead on, you know, they've, they're in it to win it. They want uh, they want that airspace. They want their drone deliveries. They think that's the 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 need everybody has. You know, they want their pizza delivery. All right, no spoilers, <laughs> Lee. Oh, sorry. Yeah, l- let people go watch it. It's a good video. It's informative, and uh, you'll probably want a stiff drink after you watch it, <laughs> <laughs> or a baseball bat and something to go hit in the backyard. Yeah, a, a pillowcase full of doorknobs, <laughs> a pitchfork, and a torch. It, it is frustrating. It is frustrating. And the biggest, you know, the thought I have is like, they're just buttering up to DeFazio. I mean, they just be, they have to be having private interviews or, or meetings with DeFazio and saying, what can you do to help us? What can we do to help you? Yeah. Welcome to Washington. Yeah, yeah. Especially when you're dealing with such a political insider already. We really kind of being outmaneuvered and outgunned and let's really step up our act. And in that regard, we have said a few times that we're trying to pull together efforts to to round up the troops. And if you haven't noticed, some of that is underway. Lee, you have started a petition on the White House website, correct? Yes. All right. You want to say a few words about that? Uh, yes. Thank you, guys. I want to just tell everybody who has gone up and signed the petition, <coughs> Fitz Walker, um, and and support this cause. Fitz hasn't signed it yet. Fitz has not signed it yet. I'm signing it for him. I know his email. <laughs> yeah. Oh wait, no, that's fraud. No, 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 no. I'll get around to it. I'm sorry. Ho- right. Hopefully, Fitz is develop- developing some other way of protecting three three six that he's just keeping close to his you nose. Know. Right. Speaking of, this is not open ended. When does the window close for signing it? I believe it's September eighth. Okay, so about two more weeks. Yeah, we're we're only at around forty five hundred. It's not, it's not a lot. We're not going to hit the hundred thousand mark. I don't think we are. But my goal was not to hit the hundred thousand. I seriously did not think that was going to happen. I just wanted to see if we can get some votes out there and get the 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 talk out there. And the good news is, I had a little moment yesterday where I was on a uh, a website. In fact, I I can't believe this. I'm actually looking at it right now. It's actually on fifty one drones. Someone shared my petition in the comments section. It's one of the most popular 
comments and you know people are signing it because that's that's how we get the word around. i never even said a thing so the fact is people know about the petition it's not it's not super popular and a lot of people do not want to put their email on a white house thing to you know confirm their email address but i'm happy that we hit 1000 i was excited when we hit 2000 and now everything else after that is just great com- uh, conversation to get gmail out is free go sign up for a new gmail account and use that email address on the yeah. petition. I mean, yeah, I think there's the, still anonymity. Yeah, I think the best thing for, out of this is you ra- you've risen, you've risen. Excuse me, I can't speak. <laughs> a risen awareness on this, and I think that's what's spreading throughout, and people maybe finally starting to wake up and to see what's going on, and maybe uh, we can at least have a little bit of extra ammo in our belt for this. I mean, I, I give credit to these two guys, XJet, 51 Drones, yeah. and I'll pat myself on the back because sometimes you just need that one person to step up and, and keep it rolling. When this White House petition is over and you know it doesn't hit the 100,000, it's going to be um, ignored. We've got to have someone else step up. We need to make other videos. I am working on something to, to help get other people to share their stories and why 336 is important. I hope that will be a... Uh, a mission that people will take upon themselves and, and get with their club members and so forth. And I recently sent a message to uh, the AMA saying, guys, you need us uh, in the White House. You know, I mean, not in the White House. You need us in Congress. You need us on Capitol Hill. Yeah. You need our faces, not us, these faces. Us yes. being traditional the modelers? Like lifers. An average Joe? Joe the plumber? And you know what? I will even say this. Even drone pilots. You know, you need us because 336 protects us. Oh, yeah, um, and I think I said it last time. I think we still need to be aligned with those Best Buy Phantom buyers because that's the only way we'll have the numbers, and I really think that traditional modelers are the only resource to effectively teach the right methods to those guys and gals. Well, yeah, I mean, you. I've seen a lot of comments on RC groups about uh, people who just like, well, I'm not a member of the AMA. I'm not going to live by their rules. You know, there's no reason why I can't just go to my backyard and fly. Well, okay, you, you can have that attitude. But you know what? We're all fighting the fight together. So we're all going to have to find a compromise some way or another. But if we don't compromise, if we don't find solutions, everyone loses. Yeah, we can fight amongst ourselves after we get rid of this CDA. Yeah. Oh, man, CDA. So, Lee... Um, Kudos to you, because while we were strategizing about what to do next, you just went out there and started this petition. So you took the first step, and it's a good one, and I think it's getting a lot of attention. And you were on the RC Groups podcast yesterday talking about it, weren't you? Yes, you were, you yeah. traitor. <laughs> oh, no. Yoko. No. <laughs> oh, my God. Do not call me Yoko. I love you guys. In fact, I spoke highly of each of you at the RC groups. No, me, I know. And you did a great job. Let me set the that. record straight for our listeners. Guys, RC groups, they're our friends. I love the RC groups website. Big fan. We had Jim Burke on, but Jim Graham uh, texted me, uh, asked me to join their podcast that they recorded yesterday. And I was like, not ready. So I was like running to my uh my office to get my laptop out and set it up for uh, their their google chat and i was able to join in it was a great conversation with uh, jim jason cole uh lane from lane's planes and i had a lot of fun and i i know i rambled didn't stay on topic on every question i had but it's it's like i mentioned in a post it's coming from the heart guys it's just i'm very passionate about this hobby and i really appreciate jim for asking me on the show he also said lee i'd love to have you on again maybe a private uh, conversation you and I can have, uh, but this this is what I'm talking about. Jim Graham is stepping up for everybody. I I really like that he is 
uh, part of this little, uh, uh, what do you call it, think tank, trying to come up with ways of getting the word out. And this is what we have to do. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that we can get flight test together, too. I, I want to see some of the major players involved and, yeah. and, and working with our fans. They have shared your petition. They did. Facebook. I yeah. yeah, I wanted to congratulate. Thank you, Austin Fury, for sharing my White House petition. Um, there was very little comment commentary there, uh, which is okay, but it's gonna get it's gonna get out. We've got to, especially coming up for Flight Fest Texas. I, I hope to sit down with those guys and say, look, can we make some kind of announcement? Can we do some kind of conversation with the users? Because as you said, Terry, if we lose three three six, those and I haven't witnessed it yet, but I know you talked highly about Flight Fest. You would hate to see that disappear, you know, to be to be folded under regulations. Right. And speaking of the petition, get your wives and family members, people who know you and understand the value of air modeling and its importance, get them to sign the petition too. It doesn't have to be people who are only active in the hobby. Just well, anybody I, who supports our stances, welcome to I, sign that. I will probably uh, next week. I'll be begging my friends on Facebook to say, "Guys, just please sign it." You know, for me on our behalf. We let's see if we can get the highest number possible. You know, again, <laughs> so for much each signature. <laughs> I remove another article of clothing. <laughs> wow, <laughs> there was someone funny. Someone made a funny comment, and you know, the White House petition is uh, give or take. If you look at some of the petitions, some of them are pretty outlandish. One was um, making a statue of a character from a video game, and it at one point it had more votes than us. And these guys were saying, "Come on, guys, we can't let the statue win," or something to that effect. Um, but we, we now that we've moved up a little higher, we're into the, some of that are are more uh, possible, I guess you could say, or or. Uh, meaningful and that's good uh, we need to get the numbers up and just hope that someone contacts either rc groups or myself or a flight test or the ama and says can we do a story about this why is this important to you guys it is an important story as much as people love their amazon and i do too and people say oh well that's the cool new delivery thing as as jim crane said i don't see a world where we're going to have little f flying drones delivering packages and and my comment on the show was you know, they're going to shut us down. But yeah, what happens when some of these delivery drones start having accidents? Uh, you know, they fail, the batteries go bad, they, they hurt somebody, or in fact, they hit a commercial. And if they say, well, that's just part of the process of, you know, moving into drone aviation or whatever, we can't let that happen because we're, we're being shut out completely for fear of quote unquote drones. But yet if those if it happens to the CDA and their customers, they're just going to say it's just business practice. And that's ridiculous. We've never been a threat to our society. We've had stupid people out there, but most of the lifers, most of the people who are AMA members and flight clubs need to be heard. Okay, that's enough of my soapbox. I, want, I didn't want to talk too much about it, but thank you, Terry, for bringing it up and, uh, and finding that other video. It was really good. I do what I can. Yes, it's good to know that there's nefarious forces working against us in the deep darkness <laughs> of the Capitol and Hill. benevolent forces working with us. Wait, yes. hey, Fitz, do you have the number of the A-team? <laughs> if you need help, if, you, if there's a need. <laughs> I pity the fool, join the CDA. <laughs> important video, this one. Very, very important. That the hobby is basically under attack. If you guys don't speak up now, then you're going to lose what few rights you have left. If you don't chime in and have your say, don't grizzle. Don't grizzle when things go wrong. If we don't collectively do something about it very soon, we can lose this hobby that we all love.
All right, so Lee's had a chance to rant. I'm going to ch- make my own rant. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, this is... Here, this here is, we go. Okay, okay kids, uh, grab a seat, grab some popcorn. No, just kidding. Well, maybe, maybe we shouldn't have kids in the room. <laughs> <laughs> no, my rants are pretty benign, but... <laughs> I don't rant very often, but... Um, so we talked about the the Spectrum uh, receivers earlier in the, in the uh, podcast, and that's just some really nice stuff. But I had my very own not-so-great experience with a Spectrum receiver recently. Uh, I, I don't know if I mentioned before, I was helping a fellow club member get his F4 Phantom from a Freewing setup. I don't think we talked about it, but I watched your video. Yeah, and so we had some issues with he had an off-brand receiver that had stabilization in it, and that's when we had the pretty big radio hit. So I said, a okay. Spectrum compatible? It was a Spectrum compatible um, receiver. Was it orange or yellow? Neither. <laughs> it was black. So was it a, a knockoff or a clone? Uh, Admiral. Oh, no, okay. Admiral, Admiral brand. Yeah, I didn't really realize it either, but apparently it's it's something that uh, that's also sold uh, as a compatible receiver. And it was actually pretty nice. It had uh, adjustments, <laughs> manual adjustments to the... Keyword here was it was uh, <laughs> well as I mentioned before our as you know Terry uh, where we fly out at the space center is a little bit harsh on radio sometimes your brands be really pretty good otherwise you'll get hits and stuff and so he we got I that. never had any trouble with spectrum though only with the SLT single conversion or single antenna stuff. right but this was you know a spectrum compatible it wasn't spectrum brand right. Well, it's still, okay. I would have guessed anything operating on DSM, uh, 2X, whatever it is. Yeah, it's a good question. I don't know if it's a 2 or X. But anyways, I, I, we said, okay, well, why don't you go get uh, the the Spectrum, true Spectrum receiver. I think it's the, the 7350, something like that. Sure. Uh, it has built-in A3X and has satellite receivers. It put that in there. We shouldn't have a problem. And lo and behold, yeah, we had no problem with radio hits with that receiver. Well, hold on, back up. On the first flight, you were coming in on final and had a total dropout? Yeah, total dropout. The jet headed for the ground for about half a second or so and freaked now, the heck out of Does it give me. a signature of what the error is? Uh, I don't think it blinks or anything. It just, it's a pretty basic receiver. Okay. So the error was... I didn't was, know if that's part of the firmware that they still, I mean, uh, re-engineered. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I don't think there was any adjustments or I don't know how the fail-safe worked on it. We didn't really program any of that. So after that, and I think I also had a glitch on the ground. I landed long and the thing wouldn't respond for a couple seconds and it finally responded again. So I was really weary of that receiver. And so after those scary moments, we he went and got the new receiver and installed that. And we flew that. It had no hits. It worked perfect. So, but he wants the AS3X. He wanted, he thought it had safe, but apparently I didn't realize this, but none of their aftermarket, none of their receivers have safe, only the ones that you buy with a plane. Okay. Uh, maybe uh, Lee can confirm that, but I could, none of the ones I could look up had safe. Only the AS3X but, stuff. Is that because the gains are pre-programmed to that particular airframe? I suppose. They may have been pre-programmed. Yeah, they may be tuned from the factory for that particular airframe yeah i'm i'm talking out of my that uh, yeah but i think you can reprogram some of those gains in the newer versions uh maybe but you can't buy them separately yeah okay so we actually in fact we had a guy at the field who had ripped one out of some sort of as3x some sort of safe plane stuck it in his little jet and actually worked once we turned the receiver around the correct direction Ah, uh, uh, okay. So the orientation <laughs> of the receiver yeah. was 
Yeah, okay. There's no way to adjust the, the directions of the of the oh. thing, so you have to be lucky and have everything the right way. So, anyway, so <laughs> lucky, yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> I hope this works. <laughs> so, so uh, even though I had the, one of the same receivers, I never programmed an AS3X. I don't normally use the, the gyro stuff, but he wanted to have it all set up. I said, "Okay, fine. We will download the app," and he had the connector for it to plug it into your cell phone. It goes into the audio jack. So as I, I was out of the field, I said, okay, well, I'll just download the app into my phone and we'll get it going. And warning number one, the app had like a 1.3 star rating. <laughs> I'm like, that can't be right. Uh, one, like one out of five, right? So, so this is Spectrum's app. This is field program. Right. AS3X? Yes. Okay. And... And the reviews were not kind. I thought, well, maybe they just didn't know what they're doing or something. And so I, I loaded it up, and I tried it on my phone. And the app loads on the phone, but it would not talk to the receiver. Nothing I could do could get it to talk to the receiver. And I said, well, that's really odd. And I think I tried somebody else's phone, and that wouldn't work either. And then I did poking around, I realized I'm on Android. And apparently Android people have all kinds of problems with this app with the hard connection you got everybody who says they use apple doesn't seem to have that problem and i said okay well there's another guy at the field he's got an apple phone um uh we'll, we'll try it on his phone and we went to go on his phone oh wait apple got rid of their headphone jack <laughs> so you have to have a special adapter which everybody conveniently leaves at home for your apple phone to work and or so, a previous generation. Or previous this is generation. Like a bad Rube Goldberg event. Yes. <laughs> it's like son of a and, and you look at the webpage, they talk about Bluetooth, but you have to buy a separate Bluetooth module in order to use Bluetooth. And so so ultimately we had to come back out. I actually went to his house another day to set it up when he had the actual adapter. And it worked just fine with the iPhone with the headphone adapter, but it doesn't work with Android. And there's nothing that says that unless you go to the website and look at the very bottom of the page, they say, oh yeah, it doesn't really work with Android most of the time because of something to do with the, <laughs> the headphone FSK. I think they're talking frequency shift keying. Something with Android phones that they don't, they can't get it to work a lot of times. Unless you, I guess you have, unless you have an older one or something. Now, is the phone interface the only way to adjust it? No, you can do Bluetooth, but you have to buy a separate Bluetooth module to do it. But what about a PC interface? Oh, yeah, you can do a PC, too, but I don't normally take a PC to the field. Is that, well, you said you went to the guy's house. Oh, so yeah. Is the PC interface hardwired? I think so. But he had an Apple, he had an iPhone with the headphone adapter, so we just used that. Okay. So that was, I mean, it took me like an hour or two to figure this out, because it wasn't anything obvious uh, on their website, there wasn't anything obvious on the app. It doesn't say anything on the app. The app is also, um, I wasn't impressed with the app. Uh, you know, Horizon, I love you guys, but you need to work on your app. So that, that has app was, the rating average gone down a little? <laughs> I want to get it in negative stars. Uh, the app is workable, but in order to figure out how to do anything, you got to watch a 15 part video. Uh, <laughs> no, literally, it's got like 15 or 14 parts to this video that they have that talks about all the features. And, uh, and it's nice and it's in depth, but 
they really like one video that just comes that just gives a short summary of what all the things do and then have longer videos that go into detail because there's certain things there's there's not very intuitive how to use an app not intuitive what the settings do there's little help buttons that that are mostly useless on the app to tell you what the settings do uh and so it's it's actually does a lot of things it's very capable but it's like drinking through a water hose trying to figure this stuff out and especially if you just want to kind of quick get it running quickly you're at the field you just want to get the thing flying it's the sun setting or whatever you just want to you know start maybe with some defaults and running and buried in there are some sort of presets but it's not obvious you know and and i say this as you know i don't like to say this a lot but as an engineer who works with computer systems <laughs> i was pretty frustrated at first trying to get the thing running and i'm a patient guy and i didn't give up but it was I saw a lot of spots where they could really, uh, really make this thing more streamlined and, and get it working a little better, make it more user friendly and intuitive. But ultimately, I did get it running and I did get it working and uh, got the thing set up and running pretty well. But uh, I was not impressed with the, the, the whole thing. For somebody who's just starting it and may not really understand how all this stuff works, I can see how it could be a bit frustrating. There's my rant. Yeah, that kind of falls in line with my opinion on the, the what is it, the safe select, not safe select, but the, the safe versions that have the GPS and the geofencing and all that. It's tools that are ultimately meant to help newcomers, but by taking away the burden of having to know how to fly, you add this burden of knowing how to operate all the software, which is not necessarily any easier. Yeah, yeah. It's a substitute one for the other. Yeah, so there's a, a minimum wall you have to climb. So you just got to decide whether you're climbing a, a user interface wall or a, a new skill wall or some combination of both. Yeah, yeah. So, so how did it work once you got it complete? Uh, it, it worked pretty good. We got the, the gain set right and, and the uh, receivers mounted in there and uh, we had different settings, which was nice for, I had a really high stabilized setting and a low stabilized setting and different gains and it uh, worked all pretty good until we crashed it. <laughs> and because what of... happened? I mean, was it a, was it a brownout? Was it loss of, or was it pilot error? It was a, <laughs> it was a human user interface error. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, this is another thing I kind of wanted to talk to talk to you guys about. Have you ever done much training with people, like buddy box, buddy boxing? In the past, yeah, yeah it, I've done a little. And this is, and, and I'm actually one of the official trainers at the club, instructors. Uh, I don't do it a whole lot, but I do it with people. And um, this person wanted me to buddy box with him, and so we had to set up everything in a buddy box. And so, and this is a freeway F4, which is kind of an interesting thing to buddy box. And the only thing is I had never buddy boxed with him before, so I didn't really know that well his capabilities. And and so we had maybe our fourth flight with the thing, and he was doing and okay. we're talking about a guy who had flown real F4s, right? Yeah, I was trying to keep him a little bit anonymous, but yes, he flew actually real F4s in well, the service. Well, he's still anonymous. Yeah. Well, uh, no, not if you watch a video, but... <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so, but yeah, you're inside the plane versus outside the plane. Oh yeah, it's so a completely different skill set. Yeah, it's a completely different skill set, and at some orientations, believe it or not, the F four is a bit hard to see. Yeah, uh, especially with that camo. 
it's a lot of odd angles. Yeah, it's got odd angles. And so certain orientation, even though it's a fairly large plane, you can get really discombobulated. And it's kind of what happened. He was flying it. It got to the point where I was feeling a little more comfortable with him flying it. So I was a little bit lax and wasn't as jittery and, and trigger happy with the trainer button. And so he had come, he had said, hey, let's fly a little lower so I can see it a little better. And I said, okay. And we would come down and made a pass. And then the next thing I know, he was inverted and heading towards the ground. Ah. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> so I took over and tried pulling out of it. And I was about a foot too low to pull out of it. Oh, no. Yeah. And so it got strained through the grass and tore up the wings and fuselage. But uh, fortunately, everything else looked good. But it was another thing, too, um, where... <laughs> what else is there? Well, since he was... he. He wanted all the controls desensitized. So I turned down all the control throws and everything for him. Mm -hmm. uh, because even with that, he was still over-controlling a little bit. But for me, everything was pretty mild. And so in that setting, I had less elevator control than normal. Mm -hmm. And so I'm trying to recover this thing with detuned control. I had no time to switch over to another mode. Uh, and so... Um, you know, when you're training somebody, it's always kind of a sort of a struggle and sort of compromise between how you like to fly the plane and how your student likes to fly the plane or how it should be set up for him. And uh, that that was, you know, caused me to kind of be introverted and think a little bit how I, how I want to set things up for people for training and getting, as you're an instructor, it's really good to know the capabilities of your student and to really keep an eye on things, even when you start to feel comfortable, to, to stay diligent. Because, you know, I may have laxed off for a couple of seconds, and, uh, and that's when he got into trouble. They always pick the, the worst time to get into trouble, and then, okay, you take it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then you're on the sticks. Like, like the, the, wings, the wings are already flying somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they already hit terminal velocity. I think okay, it's your you turn. It. Yeah. <laughs> Because <laughs> I had another guy that he would joke about that. He goes, oh, I always pick the worst time for to give it to back to you when I'm <laughs> trying to learn. <laughs> and I'm usually pretty good at recovering from weirdy odd angles and, and bad situations. But the jet is a little faster and a little harder to see. And it was a little. It took me a second to realize what had happened to him. Uh, so I felt a little bad. So he's going to rebuild it, and I'll help him rebuild it as well. And we'll go up again, and I'll take some lessons learned for both student and instructor and yeah. proceed on. Yeah, it's instructing is a hard job. Yeah. So kudos yeah. to all those with the patience to to go through that process for people. Yeah, yeah, it is. And you know, and some students each student is different. Some some are really good at listening to you, some are not. I had another student that he was actually pretty good, but he was very bad at telling me what he had planned. <laughs> so for example, I said, Okay, let's do a low pass to simulate a landing approach. And so he sets up, and next thing I know, he's trying to land. I said, no, no, this is not a landing. This is a simulated. <laughs> he didn't tell me anything. It's like, I, you know, I don't know he's trying to land until two seconds before he hits the ground. It's like, what are you doing? You were not supposed to. <laughs> oh, I wanted to land. Well, it would be nice if you told me. <laughs> now you got to fix your plane. But anyway. <laughs> But anyways, it's still kind of fun, and I don't mind it. Yeah, everybody's really good about it. It's just I feel bad when, you know, I'm there to prevent the plane from coming home in pieces, and, you know, the plane came home in pieces. But You failed. I so failed. You, Where's my... Uh, you go over there and think about what you've done. Oh, sort of buckaroo. Kurosai. 
<laughs> kill myself in the sword. All right. Yeah. You, you have to go reset that sign next to the uh, pits that says, this has zero days. <laughs> accident. You know, we actually have those signs at the Space Center as you drive in. Yeah. There's been, you know, 365 days of zero accidents. Anyways, that's my story. So uh, I hope... Uh, what? What? What I mean? Like, what? what is the... Uh... What is the what are we taking away from this event? Uh, the app the mor- is a piece the moral of, of the story. Yeah, the moral of the story. Uh, Horizons app needs more work, and my uh, I need to go back to instructor school. That's my <laughs> takeaway. All right, enough about my complaining. Wait, or- more about me. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I've um, said enough about me. What do you think about <laughs> what me? What do you think about me? How about me? Just one last thing about me. No, actually, how about you guys? Well, let's wrap this thing up. We got some have some workbench stories. Lee, you got a nice workbench story? Uh, I have a workbench story. The first thing is I've, I've halted work on the Cessna. <laughs> no! It, no! It, it's, temp, it's, temp, no! it's temporary. Think about the temporary. children. <laughs> I, I started doing the gluing of the fuselage, and it's just really tricky with this, uh, what do they call it, plastic? Uh, weld plastic weld, yeah, plastic weld. Yeah, is it like ABS plastic or something? It's it's boy, it's powerful stuff. Yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's it's nice, man. <laughs> Did the wall stop moving when you use it? Yeah, every time I I paint a brush on, I go across my nose. <laughs> <laughs> one Ooh. for you, one for me. <laughs> one for you, two for me. <laughs> yeah, but I I just I I halted for a second because I've got bomber field coming up, and I mm. told the guys at Texas Warbird Thunder I'd have my Corsair ready, so. I've got it on the table, and I'm working on it right now. And what Corsair is that? This is the Top Flight Corsair 60 ARF. With a, I'm going to be using a DA20. Mm. So I'm going to go gas. This is my first gasser, and I'm kind of excited. It sure is pretty in the box. I hope I can put it together well and <laughs> so, get the retracts working. All that jazz. So I've I got to stay focused on that, and thankfully, my kids go to school next week. I have been so busy this summer. I only had one day last week to get in the shop, and... Uh, while I was working in the shop, uh, uh, the next workbench story is that uh, my neighbor, Steve, my good friend, Steve, who we do sailboats and stuff, one of his co-workers, his uh, son picked up a an Ascent Single Pusher XRTF. Uh, uh, what, what? That's what it's called. It's from Horizon Hobby, the Ascent Single Pusher XRTF. I figured this is a good segue since you were bashing Horizon's app. I'm going to bash Horizon's aircraft here. Oh, boy. <laughs> hey kids, it's the Bash Horizon Hour. I, I wish I had the the poetry, the prose of Siskel and Ebert to describe my dissatisfaction with this <laughs> aircraft. But I, all I can tell you guys is this is a two thumbs down aircraft. I would you only not get one perch. thumb. Uh, no, I have two. <laughs> See, look, they're right here. <laughs> the two thumbs down, guys. This is a terrible airplane, and I'm not going to butter it any way other, other way than that. It is. Poorly designed. I'm assuming they got this from some third-party manufacturer just trying to throw it into their party. It's too small. Um, I mean, the videos show like it's working okay, but this poor kid didn't stand a chance. Uh, terrible transmitter. Uh, it's a lithium-ion battery with a s- proprietary connector that charges via a USB cord. Uh, it, but it was just terribly, terribly nose-heavy. And the tail, the foam tail boom, I mean, it's, it's made of a kind of like an uh, EPO type foam. It was uh, flexing. And this poor kid said it just nosed into the ground and it, it suffered damage. And the prop came off. The prop doesn't hold on to the shaft very well. I uh, brought it into my workshop, talked to him. 
and uh, he was very quiet, just attentive, which was really nice. I was glad he was listening, and I told him I'd uh, Frankenstein it back into to flight mode. So I ripped a lot of stuff out. I'm changing the connectors, doing away with the lithium ion, putting a uh, a two cell lipo in it. Uh, found my found I actually had a prop adapter that would fit this tiny I don't know was that a one point three <laughs> millimeter shaft. It's a, it's a brush. It? It's a little tiny brush motor. It's a very small plane. I mean the wingspan is uh do do 29 inches okay so uh, not quite ultra micro but <coughs> one step up from that it just it just i i it's just wrong uh in fact i'll just tell you real quick after i got it i started working on it i told him i said look this is probably gonna take me some more time let's go fly an easy star and that was great because we picked up the easy star i didn't this is the one from my buddy uh, chuck who passed away uh that he had and, and i my intent was to give it to my boys or help train it was a perfect you know paying it forward moment so we went out to the little uh cul-de-sac and uh, i waited just you know got the cg right with my you know because there's no motor in it and we flew it and he hit a tree and it bounced off the tree we picked it up we flew it some more i mean and he was smiling just it was throwing great it around yeah, and you know, I was telling him, I said, look, this is what I had to do for a year <laughs> before my dad put a motor on any of my planes. You know, I had to sit there and throw it, go forward, go run and get it, and you know, and that's how I learned. And this kid grabbed it real quick. And I was like, this is how it's supposed to fly, <laughs> you know. And it had the a larger wingspan; it was a little bit lighter, where it was not turning as fast. This little foamy thing just wanted to snap roll. So long story short, I've got this thing. Uh, <laughs> I've got my gaff tape on the tail. I put a skewer in the tail. Uh, I'm, like I said, I'm changing connectors. I got a better APC prop on it. And uh, I'm concerned though right now because twice, I think I mentioned this earlier, the receiver has gone into a uh, uh, low voltage mode. So part of me is thinking this receiver is faulty. I did call Horizon and it's only got three stars on the website, but I called Horizon and asked if they were having any problems with their receiver. And of course the guy said no, but sometimes they're honest with me and say, yeah, you know, we've got a new version or something and they were willing to take it back. So I'm kind of wondering, you know, if there was an issue, uh, but the owner of the plane said, you know what, I'm not going to worry about it. I want to spend the, t- the money to ship it. I'm just going to get a new, a better plane for my son. Uh, how about we just keep letting him practice with the easy star and then we'll see if he wants to stay in it, which, you know what guys, that kind of leads back to our whole discussion. We need to train these people how to fly before we get them into something bigger, like an F4. <laughs> you, sh- you should have started him on an easy star fits <laughs> <laughs> well i guess i should have made it clear that he's flo- he has a bunch of other planes that he flies he just wasn't comfortable with the, the higher speed jet that's all uh, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. sure that's a challenging model yeah for anyone but you know what it, it was a good warm fuzzy feeling for me i you know i know the hobby's in danger but it was a great feeling to to take this young boy i think he mm. was uh 12 12 or 11 years old and he was very very polite and uh, yeah. had a great time just letting him throw it. In fact, I went out and ran after the plane and picked it up for him so he didn't have to do all the running and panting. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's just, and it, it seems like he'll stay with it. So, in fact, while we were throwing that, Austin came out with the original Hobby Zone champ, hmm, you wow. know, and was flying that around. And the kid goes, wow, I really like that. I said, it's a good plane, but let's get you flying first. And if you do real well, then that's a plane you can get your hands on. So you're going to continue to mentor him? I am. That's good. Acolyte. intervened at a critical time yeah that's a great age a, yeah well and not only that but in, in terms of, of stage yeah if they had kind of bashed up that original trainer that might have been it and said, All right, this, this is for the birds mm. I'm not doing that again but now that well, they've had experience with <clears throat> positive experience hopefully you've saved them yeah it's just it's just terrible play oh and not to me i'm gonna again horizon love you love you guys but you gotta not you're not gonna sell this plane anymore you gotta 
discontinue it, you know, right away because it's not a good trainer. But the throws. But on they have a warehouse work, full of them. Oh, well. <laughs> I'll take one for a dollar and then do the Lee Ray modification. You know, I'll start a website. Uh, I'll buy that for a dollar. I'll overhaul it. But the um, the throws were so off. the The push rods, they had the cl- the uh, push rod clamps screwed all the way into the threads on the rod, and it was still had full down. Like no, I say full down, but at least uh, I'm trying to. It's such a small plane, so I'm trying to think uh, maybe a millimeter. So still down. Out, way out of trim is what you're saying. Way out of trim, and this poor kid didn't understand. I'm sure if he looked at the manual, he thought so, but it was all wrong. So I I actually cut off about a half inch on the push rod. And put a new easy, uh, a Z bend, excuse me, into it. And you know now I can throw it and fly it. It does well. Uh, but as soon as I get a better battery in there, and and maybe, uh, I the this has got one of those four pin servos, hmm. so it's proprietary, you know. Right. So it's a bummer, you know. It's like, but if I could, you know, if I could figure a way to get that switched over to a standard, you know, high tech three pin, you know, maybe I could swap it, swap it to that that new uh, Spectrum four channel. Well, that's interesting. Anyway. Idea. Just, you know, it it could be a possibly good flyer, but it's just it just was not good out of the box. So that's my story. That's my workbench. Time for time for Terry. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, not much going on in my actual workbench because I just got back from my trip to Florida a few days ago. I did a few things there, and I think we talked about that in the last episode. While I was in Florida, I visited three different RC clubs and a handful of different hobby shops. And that was all good fun. Now, one thing I did do is in the rafters of my uh, parents, they have two garages, one attached to the house and then an external one. But uh, I keep a stash of old RC gear in the external garage. And hanging in the rafters there was the remnants of a project from about 10 years ago, which fits, you probably remember the Blerio from Icarus. It looks kind of like a slow stick, but it was earlier than that. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah, very thin molded, under cambered wing and foam. It was all very delicate. It was an early slow flyer. Yeah. I think originally flew with a geared 280 and NICADs. Anyway, I had one of those. We had crashed it there, and then I resurrected it as a flying wing. And it was a flying wing with a fair bit of dihedral and elevator and rudder control but it had been sitting in these rafters forever and it still had the geared i think a 370 on it um but i decided to revamp it with fairly modern equipment i put a little brush motor on it and the two cell and the darn thing flew really well hmm. and super duper slow i can't even tell you how slow it flies like walking speed so that was a lot of fun the only problem was at anything above a quick walking speed the wings would flutter <laughs> so at a very narrow speed envelope and uh i tried some aerobatics with it and ended up overstressing it and plowing into the ground but i brought the remnants back i'm going to see if i can design something a little bit sturdier mm. but with similar flight performance so that's on my short list maybe a winter build oh sounds good yeah it'll be fun i can see some pictures of it yeah, I've got some pictures from when it was originally built. So I'll see if I can dig those up. Ah, oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> like those old blasts from the past things. Yeah. All righty. Any last thoughts, folks? Uh, 
Oh, quick thing, Lee, I'm having another boat thing. You think you might be able to make it down? I don't know. When is your boat thing? Thought, did you get the email? Boat thing. Some email. Did you send me an email? I never read your emails, Fitz. Oh. <laughs> Just kidding. When is it? Neither do I. It is... Wrong button. Grab it. Uh, September... No, I can't make it. <laughs> uh, no, I felt bad. Day? I felt bad missing the last it's one. It's the same. Oh my gosh, jeez, Terry. Jeez, it's the same time that Terry's going to be at Neat, uh, September fifteenth. What day is that? Saturday. Really? Yeah. Uh, okay, hold on. Now I got to pull up my calendar. Yes. So tell us about your boat day. Oh wait, well I have I have periodically throughout the year I have a little gathering where I ask people to come out to a, a little nice little pond in my area and just have some fun in the water with boats we we re- welcome all kinds of boats as long as they're either electric or wind powered and uh, we just it's a mixed company we have sailboats paddle boats air boats submarines power boats and we just have a good old time uh guys come from all around the houston area down to the clear lake area and, and sail this really nice little pond uh last time we had one guy our, our friend uh Phil came with some buoys, and that was really neat. He had a little tugboat that was towing a, a small barge-looking thing, and he dropped a couple of buoys in the water, and we sail around them with the sailboats. It's the first time I'd ever seen that done, and it was kind of neat. Just kind of, it really, we had sort of an impromptu sailboat race doing that, and just kind of, it was real fun maneuvering around and trying to gauge the distance and get the best speeds out of these little boats. Sweet. Well, I will definitely try to make it this time. I looked at my calendar. I think I'm free, and oh, good. I'll, I'll bring uh, I'll bring my uh, dragon 65, but I'll also bring uh, a couple of the plane. Uh, excuse me, planes. A couple of the boats I got from Chuck. Yeah, bring those. I have another guy. He has he has a sea wind, but he thinks it's too big. He's looking for something smaller. So it'd be nice to see. I think the the dragon 65 is a little smaller. It might be a nice boat for him. It'd be nice if and you see it. Yeah, hopefully Steve will come because he's got his uh, dragon and he's got the 65, the 95. I think he just got a star and he also has that tugboat. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that zip, zip kit kits. tugboat. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah. Weren't you going to talk to those people? I did. I did talk to him, but that was right before my trip to mm. Hawaii. So I told him I'd call him when I got back. All right. Oh, and I'll have a new boat out. I've, I have three printed a hydrofoil boat. Oh, okay. You oh, told yay. us about that. Yeah. I, finally. I finally got the electronics installed. I just got a couple of minor things to do with it and it'll be ready uh, so i've been working on that the past couple of days is it air propulsion or water propulsion uh, this water propulsion it's got a regular propeller in the bottom a long okay. shaft uh it should be pretty neat hopefully we'll see yeah if i i'll try to test it before i go out but i don't know Nah, that ruins the fun yeah <laughs> Another new plane I started playing with. I don't know if you guys... Did I tell you about the RV4 I picked up some time ago? Yes. The big one with a... Yeah, you got a super deal on it. Yeah, I got a really, really good deal on it. And I finally decided to, to, to get it flight ready. And I ended up flying it last weekend. This is the old... I don't think they make it anymore. Great Plains RV4. It's like a 70-inch span. I think it's quarter scale. Uh, and it has an OS 75 something on it is ax i can't remember which brand it was uh, uh model but uh, i don't think the engine had ever been run so i had ran it up a little bit took it out to the field one day and just ran it up and trying to get it set up uh and then uh, at what i thought was broken in a little bit and i flew it and it interesting plane flies pretty nice 
the engine that they, they say like a 60 to 90 and i wouldn't go any lower than a 75 because even that was okay but it was just adequate it wasn't underpowered but it wasn't overpowered uh but uh it, it flew pretty nice but the engine uh i took off my last flight i took off and somebody says hey your your landing gear looks funny and i look around and says oh yeah one of the landing gear legs looks off or something so i was setting up to land and the engine just quit on me for some reason i'm not quite sure but maybe because i just tweaked it again uh and so ended up landing it just a little bit short in some short grass and uh did some minor damage to the to the wood which i fixed pretty quickly but it turns out the 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 wheel landing gear metal legs i guess you call them they screw into blind nuts on the bottom if that makes any sense so think no okay so you've got the landing gear leg it's a tail dragger so you got these metal bent legs that have three screws that 440 bolts that bolt through holes in the metal so in, it's aluminum yeah okay and then you have screws that hold the aluminum to the airframe right okay um apparently i didn't notice but the person just screwed them in and either didn't tighten them and they didn't use lock washers so two out of the three screws had fallen out basically hmm. so uh so when I, that's why the landing gear got all out of whack and so i was able to took that home and rectify that situation uh but it's a pretty nice plane pretty good sized plane did you find the screws no, no. Okay. they're out in the field somewhere i think they just vibrated <laughs> out did you find the screws? <laughs> Did you go out there for 20 hours with a magnet? It's not worth it. But it's neat. It's always weird being mainly an electric guy, going out and filling with glow engines again. Uh, that's it's always an interesting experience. Uh, but the engine itself or is, fired right up. Though. What's that? Or as Tony Accurso says, the... The hand lotion? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, this isn't bad. It's got a nice pits muffler, and it's pretty close. But those damn 049s, oh, my God. You must have just dip your hand in oil after you fly those things. Hey, speaking of 049s, I got those three I need to show you. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. Those three questionable <laughs> cases yeah. that we got. Hey, who knows? You might get one You might get one alive, so I'll, I'll send them over to you. Uh, okay. Is this what Philip sent? Yeah, Phil sent these three... <laughs> Thank you, Phil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Despite whatever. Lee's tone, he appreciates your gift. Yeah, I do. That, yeah, I do. Whatever listener, Phil, um, he sent us some uh, some old 049s he found somewhere. Uh, we won't ask where, but he found them and sent them to us, and that's we really appreciate it. That's awesome, Phil. Thanks for doing that. Uh, we'll we'll do our best to get them up and running, or use or cannibalize them to get other ones up and running. So uh, that's what Lee's for referring to. Fit or for when Lee builds his glow-powered thunder and lightning. Yeah. Yes. Lee. I already have one. What finishes what? it? I already have my 049. You have your glow-powered thunder and lightning. Yeah, I have the 049. So, I mean, I don't need another one. These are just extras to goof off with. But do you have the airframe? I do. You saw me build it. I just didn't finish it. So, uh, okay. That was my question. Is it ready to fly? It is not RTF. <laughs> It is ARF. It is in ARF mode right now. I feel like I'm talking to my kids right now. <laughs> I want pizza. <laughs> I want the show to end. <laughs> you have the big red button. All right. Let's press the button, Frank. I think uh, we'll end this fun-filled, angst-filled, anger-filled uh, podcast. 
and we'll we'll see you next time guys have a great weekend and we'll see you later bye y'all please visit our website at rcroundtable.com where you can send us comments and suggestions or listen to our other great podcasts where you also find links to our itunes and social media sites thanks for listening